Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Matthew chapter 25. Guess how far we're going to get tonight. One word. Matthew chapter 25, and the Bible says in verse number one, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. We're not going to get into the bridegroom. We're not going to get into the lamps. We're not going to get into the virgins. We're not going to get into the kingdom of heaven. We're going to start with the word then, because the context, I've got to go back, and I want to make sure that we review And we lead up to this then, because when it says then, it further continues. That's what that word is there for. That's what it means. It further continues the context that we saw in Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 23. So turn back there to Matthew chapter 23. And by way of review and overview, the first 33 verses of Matthew 23 are powerful. Jesus completely, completely uncovers the wicked, hypocritical hearts of the Pharisees, and he just rips them apart. He rebukes their leadership with eight woes. Look at it, verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Look at verse 14. Again, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you devour widows' houses. The third woe, verse 15. For ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte. When he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. We see the fourth one in the 16th verse. He calls them blind guides. Verse, uh, verse number uh, 23, we see the next one. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint. Look at verse 25, but this, the, the next woe. Look at verse 27, the seventh woe, and then verse 29 is the final and eighth woe. And he rips into them basically saying, look, you fellows are trying to keep yourselves clean on the outside. I got a better idea. You're wicked on the inside. And so he rips all of this religious leadership to shreds, calling them serpents, their generation of vipers. They're going to receive the greater damnation. They don't generate life. They're being generated from that old serpent. They're not the generation of Jesus Christ for sure. So that's the first 33 verses and how Jesus opens up the chapter. Now, in verses 34 through 39, he brings into view after he slams the scribes and Pharisees, he brings into view what? is coming down the pipe concerning his return and his judgment. And we see Jesus lamenting over his beloved city. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou killest the prophets, verse 37. So we see at the end of Matthew chapter 23, a very, very clear contrast From the beginning of chapter 23, it's whoa, 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 eight of them slamming them. 
And now you can see his heart turn as he laments over the holy city. His, 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 it's, the woe isn't without Christ's love, and his heart really is pained over Jerusalem. And then we see in verse 39, we've got eight blasts of woe in the beginning. He's lamenting over Jerusalem, and then it ends with a blessing where he says, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now go back to Psalms and get chapter number 18. He hits the scribes and Pharisees, the Jewish leadership, with the woes. You see his heart lamenting over Jerusalem. He ends it with, there's going to be a blessing, and there will be a blessing for the believing remnant. Because they are going to welcome him in when he comes back for his second coming. So far, so good. Let's get reading on Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Two. Let's start at verse number. Start at verse number. Ten, all nations compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compassed about me, yea, they compassed me about. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They compassed me about like bees. They're quenched as the fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. The gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and art my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the head of the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee. Send now prosperity. Here it is. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. And then it finishes on, God is the Lord, which it showed us light. Bind the sacrifice was poured, even the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So Psalm 118, verse number 26, that's our cross-reference to Matthew chapter 23. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. You got woes. We see Jesus lamenting over Jerusalem. It, chapter number 23 ends with there is going to be a blessing for the believing remnant that welcomes him on his second coming. All of this is Jewish national Israel in scope and in view. We can glean some practical application. We want to be careful that we don't 
wrongly divide the word of truth. So that's a quick and brief overview of Matthew chapter 23. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. And after Jesus is done, he's giving a message to Jewish people concerning Jerusalem. Now he is in a Jewish temple with Jewish disciples. How people make this the church, I don't know. But they do, and they're wrong, and we'll move on. Because the disciples now, and when we started Matthew 24, the first two verses, this temple talk was the interruption of Jesus' end time talk. And the disciples really, really like showing off the temple as if that would impress Jesus. We see that in our day. Multi-million dollar buildings, I don't know how they pay for them. As if that's going to impress the Lord. Now, if you got enough people, I'm not saying, you know what I'm saying. But this destruction of the temple happened in 70 AD, and we, we spoke about that. But that temple talk was an interruption. And so Jesus, in verses 3 to 31, he gets them back on track, and he answers questions or gives some answers concerning his return. Now look at verse 3. Remember we talked about this, the end of the world at the end of the verse? It says, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? The end of the world isn't the, isn't the end of the earth. We're talking about a world system specifically here that will be replaced with a righteous king. Right now, we, we know that the Lord has given temporary control over to the prince of the power of the air. That's the old servant. And so it'll be the end of this world system. But we as Christians, we are not looking for a deliverer on the earth. We're looking up because we have a blessed hope. And it's going to be in the clouds. So what do we get out of verse number three? And what we got out of Matthew 24 is this. Anytime somebody points you to a deliverer on the earth, whether it's a preacher or a ministry or a guru, it's a false religion. Every single time somebody is pointed to as a deliverer on the earth, I can start naming other names too, but we'll get so far deep in the woods, we won't come out of it. It's not Christian. It's not because we are not looking for a deliverer on the earth. If a blessed hope. The end of the world, said again, is not the rapture. It's going to be the end of the world system where Jesus will come back in the second coming. He'll set up and rule righteousness. And then when we got to verse number 13, we talked about enduring to the end. But he that shall endure. Unto the end, the same shall be saved. Arminians will say that this verse refers to the fact that you can lose your salvation. 
because they'll say it, it's your soul salvation. Maybe not all, but you know, some would say that. You'll lose your soul salvation if you don't endure to the end. But it's not spiritual salvation. This is during Daniel's 70th week. And that's the context that we talk about. So the Arminians will say we can lose your salvation. The Calvinists, you better not even hint that the elect can do anything to keep it or, or lose it or, or, or any of that. Don't even hint that to them. Most Calvinists teach that the promises that God gave Israel are now assumed by the New Testament church. It's somehow part two of God's plan for Israel. Which doesn't fit with their theology because, well, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So that means you got to do something, <laughs> which means if you got to do it, that takes away the sovereignty of God. There's a freedom here that we talked about to choose endurance, endure unto the end, not taking the mark, obeying what the Lord told you to do, not giving in the lies and deceive the Antichrist. And you will endure unto the end. You will be saved physically under the end of that time. And you will enter into that millennial kingdom. That's the Arminians, that's the Calvinist, dispensationalist. Some dispensationalists would say this refers again to a soul salvation during Daniel's 70th week, rather than, I believe the clear context, is a physical salvation. Look at verse 22. And except those days should be shortened, there shall no soul or no flesh be saved. No flesh. It's a physical salvation. How do you know that? Well, because when I got saved, my flesh still wants to sin. Okay? <laughs> my flesh didn't get saved. My soul did. You know what gets saved here? Not the soul. Verse 22. Flesh. It's a physical salvation. So they teach you have to endure unto the end to keep your soul's salvation. That's wrong teaching. You don't endure to the end to be saved to go to heaven. Okay. You endure to the end to physically survive the whole mess that's going on. And then you enter into an earthly physical kingdom with your physical body. And then we talked about how even we as Christians have two parts to our salvation. We trust Jesus Christ. Our soul is saved. However, and it's, soul, it's saved by the quickening spirit, John chapter 3. But get Romans chapter 8. We'll review this real quick. We will experience another salvation. Romans chapter 8, verse number 23, it says, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body, not our soul. It's already been saved. We're regenerated. We're born again. We have a home in heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. But we are, our body will be redeemed. That has nothing to do with our soul's salvation. But there is another salvation that has to do with this redemption of our body. We see it also again in Romans chapter number 13. Watch what it says in verse number 11. Then knowing this time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Well, wait a minute. How can my salvation be nearer if I've already trusted Christ as my Savior? Because it's not talking about your soul. 
you're going to have a redemption of your body. And you're going to get a glorified body. We don't have that now. We got to deal with what we're what what our soul that is saved is trapped inside. But one day we are going to have our body's salvation, if you will, meaning the adoption or the redemption of our body. So that's the enduring to the end. We went through that. And um, go back to Matthew 24 and look at this 22nd verse. We also defined the elect, Matthew 24, verse 22. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be short. And we cross-reference this with Isaiah 45. It says, And I will give thee treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel, for Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel mine elect. And so in context, we understood that the election here, or the elect, is that nation. And we also talked about, even with the salvation, when we see salvation or we see elect, we have to define it biblically because we saw that there's two types of salvation. And we can get ourselves in trouble if we apply a physical salvation to a spiritual one and vice versa. And the same thing when it comes to elect. If we don't divide it outright, we've got elect angels, we've got Jesus Christ the elect, we've got we as Christians elect, we've got Jesus Christ uh and then the nation of Israel. So if we don't divide all those outright, the next thing you know, we could be an angel. We could be, and then we apply something that isn't for us and we get it all mixed up. So God wants us to study the Bible and make sure we're defining words properly. And then we talked about in Matthew 24, we have this gospel of the kingdom. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. This is a future kingdom ruled by our future king, Jesus Christ. And he emphasized this kingdom of heaven a lot during his earthly ministry. And we talked about the gospel of the kingdom is not the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the disciples never preached the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ until after the Lord Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. And then after that happened, then they started preaching that gospel. Well, they weren't walking around doing their earthly ministry preaching that. They were preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So we got to get our gospels in the right context. And I believe that we did that. And it wasn't until Jesus rose again that the message shifted from a promised earthly kingdom to a spiritual heavenly kingdom. And that shift occurred 
after the Lord died, buried, rose again. We as Christians do not preach the kingdom of heaven. When a JW comes to your door, guess what he's going to preach to you? The kingdom of heaven. He has truth from the Bible, but he has placed that truth out of its entire biblical context, and they came up with a mess, a whole mess. But that's what the JW is preaching to you out of Matthew 24, Matthew 25, preaching to you the kingdom of heaven. They're not Jews. And this kingdom gospel was specifically Jewish. And Israel will come into view again and become God's focus. Going to have 144,000 witnesses plus the two, and they will be God's messenger proclaiming the coming kingdom and Jesus Christ as the rightful ruling king. Go back to Matthew 4. Did I give you too much information so far, or are you kind of getting this? I know it's a review. I'm trying to go as quickly without wearing you out. Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of what? The kingdom. And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Go over to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So if me and Brother Danny went to the Cookville Regional tomorrow and we said we are... Uh, Christians in the area, we're from Pilgrim Baptist Church, and we would like to go around to all the rooms and preach the gospel of the kingdom and heal all manner of sickness. <laughs> that front desk would probably call the psychiatric ward to come down and get us because we don't preach that. And do you know what is so obvious on how these gospel, this gospel of the kingdom is not for us? We don't do sign miracles. We can't heal people of all manner of sickness. We don't have those apostolic gifts where we can go in and heal somebody that's got COVID-19. The apostles were walking around with Jesus. Guess what they're able to do? That was associated with the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. So when a JW comes to your door, you can invite him to go down to the hospital and see how that works and see if he can prove himself to be a true gospel of the kingdom preacher. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. What do we preach? The gospel of the grace of God, which is for everybody. And it's a spiritual kingdom. We are getting all of this in context and before we make our way deep into Matthew 25, Israel and the church are two separate distinct entities. The end of the world is not the rapture of the church. 
And the gospel of the kingdom is not the gospel of the grace of God. So far, so good. Verse number 15 of Matthew chapter 24, we also looked at the abomination of desolation. Wherefore, uh, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. And that's the mile marker that all hell is about to break loose on the earth. Man of sin shows up in the temple and is worshipped. And it's also associated with the image that will be set up in the temple. What's the second giveaway that false religion has just introduced itself to you? An image shows up. Every single time an image shows up to be venerated or to be worshipped, every single time you're standing right in the face of a false religion. Every time. It doesn't matter if you're flipping beads. It doesn't matter if it's a statue. It doesn't matter if whatever it is, it's false religion and image. This is why God strongly warns about graven images. You see it in Exodus 20, Acts 17, and Romans chapter 1, which we'll be getting into uh, rather shortly on Sunday mornings. Then verse 16, watch what it says. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. This is a warning again to the Jews. It's not a warning to the church. I'm not in Judea. I'm in Christ. I'm a new creature. I'm not going to flee into the mountains. This is not for me, and I don't dwell in Jerusalem. I'm, a I'm, I'm of the temple of the living God. Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. You're not in this flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. We're not playing the mountains. Israel's a view, and Daniel's people, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, his people are in view. We also took some time to define the tribulation as a time of, not a time period. In other words, when you hear great tribulation, that doesn't mean seven years. It just means a time of affliction and suffering. The same way we would go through a time of tribulation. And this time of tribulation and then great tribulation isn't what we're going to go through. It's what God will take Israel through for its purification. We will not be getting land. Now, I bought land. It's my land until the government decides they want it. <laughs> But I'll pretend now that it's my land, okay? <laughs> I'm not getting it. I'm not getting land. I have a real estate transaction that is in heaven. Street of gold, mansion, it's all prepared for me and for you. And it's a heavenly place, not a physical deal. We have already repented and we have been converted if you're saved. The Jews are going to be gathered on the earth 
and they will repent, and they will be converted. That nation needs to be purified, and Jesus is going to do that, like he, like was prophesied in Daniel chapter 9. It's all going to happen. But we have already been washed in the blood. We're already made pure. And then we part on verses 29 through 31 of Matthew chapter 24. And let's read this together one last time. We'll read it together. Matthew 29 all the way to 31. Okay, ready? Read nice and loud. All you young people, you have any Bibles? Get your Bibles there. You're all going to read. Don't tell me you're homeschooled. Can't read. It's all a joke. Matthew 24. 29 through 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And I'll say it again. This is not the rapture of the church. We're going to be like angels. Why in the world would we have to be gathered by angels if we have the same ability as angels? <laughs> We're not. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's not the rapture. God is going to send angels to gather people together. And it's for their protection on the earth. There's no rapture here. Also, what else did we see when we read those verses? Sun is dark and stars are falling, powers of heaven, sign of the Son of Man. The Jews require a sign. We don't. Not for us. And then Matthew 32 through 36. Well, 32 and 33, we've looked at the parable of the fig tree. And we talked about why this is not Israel becoming a nation in 1948. And it was that, look, you guys know big trees, you know, big leaves, you know, summer is not. And the same way, you know, big trees, you look at these signs, you look what's coming and you know, hey, here, here's my coming. And so the Lord used that to help make a parallel to get them to, to get it. Um, verse 34, I think it's very last unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all these things, till all these things be fulfilled. Notice, remember we parked on, it says this generation, not nation. Because a generation, we defined it as it, 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 it denotes a race of people. It's why people say, well, well, because historically, Israel hasn't always been a nation, not politically. That's why people say, well, in 1948, yeah, it did politically under the United Nations, and that happened here on Earth. But 
there's no life in them yet until the Lord breathes life in them. And that will happen, Ezekiel 37. And that's when that nation will come alive. We talked about how, yes, we can see God's protective hand. We can make some application there. We need to be careful that we don't make a prophetic claim as far as the nation, as far as Israel becoming a nation in 1948. Oh, there's the fulfillment. No, they, it's a down here on earth deal, not a spiritual deal. A spiritual deal is coming. Nation can have a political tone. Politically, did pass away, and 48 happened, and then all this. So why do I say all that? Because with Israel in view, God is going to deal with that nation. They will be purified. They will look to him. They will repent. And that nation will get life. And that's coming. We already have life. Then verse 35, what does that say? Heaven and earth shall pass away. Well, and that debunks global warming. So there's a whole sermon right there. And then Matthew 24, from verse 37, all the way down to verse number 42, we, we looked at how his he likened his return to the days of Noah. Most are going to be judged. Very few will be saved. 37 through 39. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. This is not the rapture of the church because we are taken from the earth in glory. We are not taken from the earth in judgment. Believing Israel will be left on the earth. Unbelieving Israel will be taken from the earth in judgment. That's the likeness of Noah. That's the taking during Daniel's 70th week. It is completely and entirely opposite of what happens to us as New Testament Christians. We're caught up, we're taken in glory, glorified body. We're going to have a body that will have all the capabilities of an angel. We certainly are not going to need to be gathered by them. Okay? This is why people need to study the Bible and stop going to prophecy seminars that they see pop up on billboards, which by the way, I think it's SDA, which is I think that's what it is. Yeah, I figured that one out this this last week, too. It just triggered me to say something to you. But And people just get all mixed up because they don't study the Bible. They study their denomination, or I've always done this, or this book's a bestseller. And you can make just about anything preach. It doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean it's true. And then finally, in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 43, all the way to the end, verse number 55, it's the final exhortation for the Jews to be watchful, to be prepared, to be ready, and to be a faithful servant. And so that is our, our overview 
to be an introduction leading into all of that context that we've got, all of that teaching on Matthew 24, now leads us into Matthew chapter 25, then. That's what that word is there for. Because it's continuing and adding on the context and the foundation that Jesus laid, starting with the woes, lamenting over the nation, of uh, lamenting over Jerusalem, giving a blessing at the end of chapter 23, chapter 24, all that's going to come to pass. And now chapter 25, then shall the kingdom of heaven be. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.